The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Prescription for Success with your host, Dr. Emil Haldi. Each week, we come through the myths and facts about health and wellness in order to bring you the best advice and the right information that you need to live an incredible life. Now, here is Dr. Emil Haldi. Welcome to Prescription for Success. This is your host, Emil Haldi. Today's show is about relationships. It includes relationships with your partner, spouse, colleagues at work, children, parents, and most importantly, relationship with you, yourself. In many ways, how you treat yourself will correlate to how you treat others. How you treat yourself will directly impact your health. Today's guest is an amazing individual and a very special person. Sandra is an accomplished professional with many years of experience in the entrepreneurial and business consulting world with a very diverse portfolio. Sandra is also a wisdom teacher and a meditation instructor trained in India. Sandra's calling is in human behavior, self-analysis, emotions, and relationships. Unlimited Love is the organization she founded recently and is a representation of her passion for understanding human behavior and teaching others about her findings. Unlimited Love is also the bridge that connects meditation to relationship mentoring. Sandra is on a mission to transform lives and mentor people in finding and building joy-filled, meaningful, and sustainable relationships and connections. Sandra Harmon, welcome to the show. It's such a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. That was such a great introduction. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have some fun today. This is one of my favorite topics, relationships and how it all comes together. This is one of the biggest drivers in health in my opinion, but I'm so thrilled that you are a relationship relationship expert and that you're here with us and we could talk and have so much fun discussing this important topic. Well, thank you. (laughs) So, Sandra, tell us about yourself because you were a successful entrepreneur working in business and you made a marvelous transition, marvelous pivot, and you're an expert in relationships now. Tell us a little more about yourself. Yeah, my... um my background is really, really varied. I um, spent about 20, 18, 20 years as an executive consultant and interim executive in startups. So I was CFO, COO, you know, really that hard driving, you know, get things done world of, of um, tech startups, <sighs> which was awesome. I loved it. But then I pivoted and I... Um, I actually moved to Vietnam and uh, started an on, helped start a nonprofit there. So I was actually living in a developing country on the ground, working with orphans and street kids for, again, about eight, 10 years, which then led me here. But the really, the way that I came to really be so passionate about relationships was, I guess, I guess I kind of. I kind of look at myself and my past as maybe the story of, you know, Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Do you know that, you know that story? Yeah. So many people out there have related to me on this, but I was like always looking for the next one. Um, and it, it was kind of like for me, I started with my first 10-year relationship. Um, there, were, there were three of them up until I moved back to New York. But I kind of felt like, you know, the first one was, you know, 
too hard. And the second one was too soft. And I figured by the third long-term relationship, like it would be just right. Yes. Yeah. But my experience of that relationship was actually worse than the first two combined. So Mm -hmm. I figured that that little fairy tale that I was telling myself wasn't going to work. And um, I was, I was blessed. Um, I was blessed to, to have come into the life or to have come into my life a, a woman that I'd known through business um, or was meeting through business. And I had, hadn't met her yet, but we talked on the phone a lot. It was very businessy. And I, I saw her at a conference. She was there with her CFO. Um, we were trying to acquire her company at the time. This was about five years ago. And, um, and I saw her holding hands with her CFO. And I just had this whole backstory. You might get the idea that I create stories, and yes, I do. So this story was, well, he must be divorced, and she must be, you know, a widow, and they're meeting late in life because they were in their 60s, in their late 60s. And I thought that was just so cute that they could, you know, after all these years and whatever, start dating again because they they were like newlyweds, holding hands, giggling. It was the cutest thing. (laughs) They were married for 34 years. I was shocked to see a couple with that much joy and that much affection and oh it 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 just blew me away and you know i think a lot of us maybe haven't seen that in our lives you know haven't seen that kind of long term committed relationship where you know they're still giggling they're still like flirting and and that was that opened my eyes that really, really opened my eyes. And then I was, I was lucky. I was uh, driving home with, uh, with this woman. She was taking me to the airport. I wasn't really going home. And we stopped at dinner. And, and because I felt like here was somebody who had everything I wanted, I started to tell her about my experience with relationships. You know, the too hard, too soft, and definitely not right. And I was like in the middle of sobbing. I'm like, uh, and this is happening, and this is happening. And, and unlike a lot of my friends who would, you know, be blaming or, or consoling or giving me pity, she looked at me with such compassion. In the middle of my, she said, sweetie, what's in it for you? And that was the first time I ever looked inside. And so it was kind of like, I don't know. And that was about five years ago. And I've spent a five-year journey um, figuring all this out for me. And it's taken me to places like India, where I studied to be a a meditation instructor and a wisdom teacher. And I um, specialize in meditations for relationships, which is a little bit different. And it's led me to my my mentor, Alison Armstrong, who I've done many year-long mastery programs with. Um, I, I'm my, actually, I'm on my second one. And uh, I'm just working with all these different ways and means to create great relationships. So and my goal, what I'm passionate about, what if I could have one wish for the whole world, it would be that everyone could have relationships just filled up with joy because I see the impact that it can have on the world. And I know that you can't have an awesome, joyful relationship unless you yourself 
are joy filled. So that's that's yeah. my passion, and I'm just here to share. And, and you now teach that to others. You, you've mastered the topic so well because you're so passionate about this topic, and you are so open about bringing this to the rest of the world to experience what you've experienced in your personal life and and and, and communicating this information to others. So yeah. What is, Go ahead. What is the best advice you would give to someone about relationships? You know, a lot of times the questions that people are asking aren't necessarily the right questions. Um, so some of the questions that I get a lot have to do with how do I get my partner, husband, wife, girlfriend to do X, pay more attention to me, to um, be home on time, take care of the kids more, whatever it is. That's, that's one question um, that I get, a, I get a lot. And the other question, which is a little bit underlying some of these other types of questions, is, is he the one? You know, maybe he's not the one for me. And I think that in our in our Western society, unlike you know places where they still have arranged marriages, we're looking for the one. We're looking for that one person who's going to complete us, who's going to, you know, take care of us and make sure we're happy and do everything in their power to fill us up. And it, it, it was funny when I, I realized this before I got married. I, and by the way, I got married recently to anyone who doesn't know. It was about three months ago. Yes. Um, yes. And um, a big congratulations again. <laughs> thank, you. thank you so much. It's, you know, it's the culmination of everything that I've learned to be able to have this amazing relationship and be married to an amazing man. Um, but at some point during, before we were even married, I realized I wasn't marrying the one. And I, I did a video about that, trying to explain it, and all my friends were sort of shocked. And, um, you know, especially when they heard the title, when I started saying, look, no, he's not the one. But the reason is, is because I am my own one. I am the only one who can be my own one. I, I just am. I mean, how can it be any other way? And so I've I've looked at my relationship with, with Richard, my husband, from that point, like it's my job to fill me up. It's my job to make me happy. And he does an amazing job helping and supporting that. But it's not his sole responsibility. And in fact, what was interesting that I've, I've shared with people on this particular topic is that even our marriage vows, when we got married, the very first real vow other than they, you know, were connected sort of introduction part was, I promise to nurture joy in my own being. I promise to have compassion for myself and then to share that joy and that compassion with you. And you think about how many times people are getting married or getting to relationships with the idea that you are promising me <laughs> to make me happy or you are promising me to always be compassionate. And if you flip it all, it changes everything 
that's very, very powerful. You talk about people get married and say, you, I am looking for my partner to complete me, right? And in many ways, people do complete you, but you have to be complete yourself first and take that responsibility and own it and yeah, go forward I, with that. Yeah, I look at it like, you know, if you're, if you're thinking that you're a 0.5, looking for a 0.5 to equal a one, you've got it all wrong. Be a one plus a one to equal more than two. Yeah. So it's uh, being in a relationship, it's, it's, you take the responsibility to own the relationship. So you own the whole relationship. It's not the 0.5 and 0.5 together. You own the whole relationship. You own one. You're responsible for the entire relationship. And if you make your partner's life bigger and better and you take that responsibility on yourself, you're going to have a great life. Yeah. Right? Did I get that right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> excellent. Exactly. Excellent. So what are some of the common questions people ask you about relationships? Yeah. Oh, I, I mentioned in the beginning that one of them is how do I get my partner, friend, even? I mean, it, it works with parents, too. I mean, it's like, how do I, how do I get somebody to do X? And... Just the way and the energy and the words make it seem sometimes like what it is, is you're, you're looking at that as though it's an obligation, as though you're entitled to have that. And it's not that, it's not that there aren't things we need. So it's, let me see if I can put this into two ways. There's the two energies at coming at this would be, I always have this conversation with a, a friend of mine about socks on the floor. We just use it as a random example. So okay. one would be, you know, um, partner, um, you know, I need you to pick those socks up off the floor because that's really annoying to me. Can you kind of feel the energy? Of course. Right. Well, so the, the one way to look at it then is, what is it about the socks? Like, is it, is it a symbol of something? So many times something so tiny as socks on the floor might be a, a signal of something else that's going on in that own person's perception of the relationship of, well, the reason that they're not picking up the socks is because X. And people can fill in with all sorts of blanks, like he doesn't respect me, he doesn't care for me, he doesn't value me. Um, yeah, the, the number of, of reasons is endless. There are always stories. Yeah, it's all these stories we tell ourselves. So, and, it's, and again, it's not that there aren't things that we, we don't need. And when I coach people to really look at what is it is that we need it's to look at how is this going to make you more able to shine your light and be the best person that you can be for the world and for your partner and an example of this in my life is is um sleep so mm -hmm. if i don't get enough sleep i can't be my best Right. And that's, you know, that's different. It, it's just, it's just a fact. If I, if Sandra minus sleep equals not joyful Sandra. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I know that my asking for sleep and the room and time to sleep is not 
anything. It's not this self-centric thing. It's about what do I need to share my light with the world? Just like my plants, my plant, George, behind me. He needs water. If he doesn't get water, he's not going to be able to be this beautiful plant that he is. So first identifying, is it something you need? And what does that do for you? And then you can approach any request from a perspective of a win-win. You know, for me sleeping, Richard gets a happy, rested, <laughs> bubbly person. Yeah. And, 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 and by the way, to, talking about connecting it to health, if you want to be healthy and happy, because it, generally if you're healthy, you have much easier time be, being happy. Sleep is super important for you because it's regenerative, right? And especially for women, especially for women. Um, so it's really, really important. And I'm glad you realize that and you teach that in your courses and classes and uh, you've mastered that in your own relationship. So this is a, a big, big, uh, uh, big deal because sleep is super important. Yeah, without energy, you don't have energy for anything. You know, you don't, you don't have energy for conversation. You don't have energy for sex. So for anyone <laughs> out there, <laughs> right? It's like it takes energy to do these things. So, so sleep is super important. And, and sometimes explaining it that way helps too. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 like, I like the sex plug. So that, <laughs> I, I'm sure we're getting some attention now. <laughs> that's what, so, that's so, what it, explain it that way. It gets more attention. Yes, yes. So let's talk about health a little bit. How yeah. important do you think relationships are to health? Oh, my gosh. You know, it's, it's something that's kind of intuitive, but they're still doing a lot of studies on it. You know, um, Harvard has done that, what, 80-year study on, on following people throughout their life. And that's what they're finding, that relationships are one of the big indicators. You know, so for that study, there's been a lot of um, inner city studies. And what they're finding is that great relationships are actually a better predictor of long and happy lives than social class, IQ, or even your genetics. And that's something we have control over. We have control over our relationships. Um, and it, it goes all the way to, you know, women, women who don't have satisfying marriages will have a higher risk of cardiovascular disease. Men who aren't married are more likely to die younger, like seven years or something. It's a big so number. It, yeah, it's a big number. It's a really, really big number. And, you know, I love, you know, I love what you're doing. And I love the topic because it is all cyclical, though. You know, it's like a great, a great relationship can foster great health, but then also you can have the dwindling spiral of when you don't have good health, that can start to, to cause problems in a relationship. And I know you mentioned to me that you were diagnosed with mercury toxicity. And yes. I, what did that do? Wow. So mercury toxicity is an uh, interesting condition. That, uh, we know each other for a while. And uh, about two years ago, this is just an update to our listeners, uh, two and a half years ago, I was diagnosed with mercury toxicity in a very, in very unlikely way. Um, as you know, I was uh, spending uh, some time with Tony Robbins. My wife and I were big into uh, personal development, Sabrina and I. And Tony, during that time, was also fighting mercury toxicity. So that raised awareness level for me about mercury. And at that time, my health was start, started sort of declining a little bit. And, and hit a rock bottom in January 2017 for me. And this is when I got diagnosed. And uh, it's a, in my opinion, that's the most undiagnosed epidemic. Mm -hmm. And the reason um, 
I'm sure you're asking me about, about this is you, we're, we're going to connect it to a relationship, right? How does that affect and impact relationships? Uh, but it's such a dear topic to me that I want to raise awareness for our mm-hmm. listeners how important it is mercury toxicity. Uh, you get mercury toxicity from um, multiple sources, and there are probably 100 sources, but three mm-hmm. that are most common is you can get it from fish. Mm-hmm. If you eat a large fish, you can raise your mercury levels. If you have dental amalgam fillings, you know, those silver black fillings that a lot of people have, they are 50% mercury. Mm. Uh, and also, if you live in an industrial city where there are coal-powered uh, plants, there is a lot of mercury in the atmosphere, in the air that you may be absorbing. So th- those are the three most common ways. Some people get it from uh, cosmetics. Some people get it from household I- items. We have mercury in light bulbs in our homes. And if you break it and uh, you clean up incorrectly, you got yourself an exposure of mercury. Uh, in the old days, we had on thermometers. Right now, most thermometers are not mercury-containing. So there are a lot of ways to get mercury and other heavy metals. Mercury wow. is just the most studied, most well-known uh, heavy metal, and a lot of people are impacted. In my opinion, probably 80% of the population is impacted. They just don't know it. Wow. It's a huge number. Yeah. What, what are the symptoms? You're making me look at <laughs> <laughs> uh, Am I scaring you? 80% yeah, is a big number. So, yeah, what are the symptoms and how do you get tested? <laughs> well, a, a lot of people experience it differently. There are hundreds of symptoms, right? Because mm-hmm. if, it were, if it was that simple, everyone would know about it. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, most traditional doctors and health practitioners are not taught, including me as a pharmacist. We were not taught about mercury toxicity. So the symptoms go all over the place, literally from head to toe, uh, starting from confusion, mm-hmm. mental fog, forgetfulness, uh, tiredness, and if you go down, as, as you kind of go through anatomy of a person from head to toe, uh, people have hypertension, which is high blood pressure. Some people report difficulty breathing. Some people re- report tingling in their hands and numbness in their hands. Some GI problems, so what we would call a leaky gut syndrome, um, joint stiffness, uh, and the list goes on, unfortunately. And it's very hard to diagnose. Most doctors look at you and say, well, you may be depressed if you have a mood, uh, if mercury is causing mood disorder for you, or you may be just anxious, here's a little value for you. So it's very easy to misdiagnose it, but the symptoms are all over the place. Hmm. So, and to diagnose uh, multiple ways, you could ask uh, your doctor for a blood test, but blood tests will not really give you a full picture because it will give you an acute exposure. It will measure how much of your mercury is in your blood uh, and other heavy metals for that matter. But most heavy metals and mercury, they get stored in your tissues, so they hide. So it's, in order to get, to get properly diagnosed, we, we recommend a hair test. Mm. And then working with a practitioner, someone who knows this condition, and really understanding, do you have mercury and other heavy metals hiding in your tissues? Because even a hair test will not tell you a full picture unless it's in the hands of the right practitioner. Mm. So... Very, very, very complex condition. Now, you may ask me, or I'm sure you will, will, uh, thinking about this, how did this impact your relationship? Exactly. Um, And and it did. And we actually dedicated with Sabrina a whole episode on mercury toxicity. Mm. And we think it's so important for the world to hear what the heavy metal toxicity does to you. Uh, it, It really did have a tremendous impact in my relationship with my wife and others. Because if you are in declining health, when you have decreased uh, 
enthusiasm for life. You're tired. You have pains and aches and perhaps numbness in some parts of your body. You're not exactly thrilled to go out and have an amazing life, right? So you, naturally, most people will take a more sedentary approach to life. And that impacts your, not only your relationship with your spouse or your loved one, but your friends, your children, your parents, your coworkers. So it definitely has an impact. And what's unique about mercury is that most people have no idea that they're mercury toxic. They just think they're getting older. And guess what, Sandra? One of the things mercury does is impacts your sexual life and sexual health because it decreases hormones. Mm -hmm. So um, mm -hmm. it's a very, very important factor for people to consider. So when if you are experiencing low sex life, right, and some people will be impacted uh, as far as their hormones with mercury, some will not. But if you are, perhaps you could ask your doctor, test, my, test me doctor for heavy metals. Mm -hmm. Ask your practitioner to test me. So it's a condition that in my opinion is directly related to relationships. Wow. And, mo and most people do not really, when I'm talking about friends and family members, have a hard time wrapping their head around this because mm -hmm. this is not a major diagnosis, right? Most, it's, a, you know, it's not a, a, a chronic degenerative disease such as MS or ALS or cancer. So it's really hard for people to understand why is this person so sick? Mm -hmm. Are they being lazy? Are mm -hmm. they just not? I, I, Am I not attractive enough for them if we're talking about relationships? So it's very, very important, once again, to raise awareness about this for our listeners. And there is something you can do and experience. Once you de detox, you experience joy. I tell people for no reason. Mm. It's like if you remember how you felt when you were 12, 15, 7, 8, 9 years old, you wake up in the morning like, yay, I'm ready to go. And you high energy. That's how you should feel every day of your life. If you are eating well and you're detoxing and you're in a healthy relationship and it's possible. Wow. That's awesome. And, and is what I'm personally curious, did it, was it a long process to detox? Well, it's, uh, it, it is a long process depending on how toxic you are. In some people, it could be uh, months and in some people, it's years. I was actually severely toxic. So my levels were 30 times normal in my body. So it's, wow. it's, it's a severe toxicity. So I am about two and a half years into it. I probably have another year, but I am significantly better. And uh, it's nowhere close. So I want to tell people that it is possible to experience joy. It is possible to wake up in the morning and basically run and, and have fun and enjoy life and uh, have a smile for no reason. That's so funny. That's exactly how I feel about relationships. Like, I just want people to know it's possible. You can have great relationships. <laughs> you can keep them. And, um, and I, you know, I appreciate you letting people know what's possible, you know, in terms of getting your health back and getting your joy back when you have this kind of condition going on. Yeah. Thank you. So, you know, it, it is a tremendous condition, and I want to link it to relationship because there's no more joy in life than to be in happy relationships with your family members. Obviously, the most important relationship is your spouse, your kids, uh, your friends, your colleagues. It's such a joy to experience positive relationships, and that in turn, it's documented by the Harvard study that you mentioned that that will improve your health and give you uh, tremendous abilities and capabilities in life. Sandra, I hope you're having as much fun as I'm having doing this program. Uh, we have to take a commercial break. We'll be right back uh, after these messages and we'll have a better discussion. We'll be right back. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Haldi Pharmaceutical Compounding is one of the nation's top compounding pharmacies. We work with medical professionals as well as consumers, both human and veterinary. If you're a patient or a doctor and need to consult us, please call us for a free consultation. Additionally, you may purchase carefully selected quality brand supplements and vitamins at discounted prices at hcompound.com. To schedule a personalized consultation with Dr. Haldi or one of our associates, please email us at wellness at hcompound.com or call us at 646-650-5040. You can also check us out at hcompound.com. Are you living a healthy and fit lifestyle? It's not just related to your physical well-being. It also means a healthier mind, confidence, improved health, stamina, and fitness. Talking with Tremaine brings it all to you. Host Tremaine Ellis, along with her husband and co-host David Ellis, will offer support, advice, guidance, and motivation to keep you in your best shape, both physically and mentally. Talking with Tremaine can be heard live every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. You're listening to Prescription for Success. If you'd like to reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to wellness at hcompound.com. Now back to Prescription for Success. Welcome back to Prescription for Success. This is your host, Emil Haldi. Today, I have a very special guest with me, Sandra Hart. Harman Stewart. Sandra is a transformational speaker, mentor, and an expert in relationships. To learn more about Sandra, please visit her website, unlimited.love. Unlimited without an I and without an E because there is no I in a healthy relationship. <laughs> to learn more about Haldi Pharmaceutical or to sign up for a consultation, give us a call at 646-650-5040 or email us at wellnesshcompound.com. Sandra, we are having so much fun talking about relationships and we're connecting to health. And I hope our listeners are enjoying this as well. And if you are listening to the program, please enroll all your friends and family. Tell them to listen to the show. It's going to change your life. So we spoke about the Harvard study and happiness that uh, is documented that results from relationships, healthy, happy relationships. We touched on uh, what's important to have a healthy relationship as far as you need to feel complete. And, and, and happy and take the responsibility for yourself and for your relationship. So a relationship is not equal 0.5 plus 0.5. It's mm-hmm. actually one plus one, which is equals greater than two. So we are having a ton of fun. And we also touched on Mercury. And mm-hmm. I was glad to share my personal story with, the, with our audience, with our listeners. And I hope uh, we can help you in some way, or if you know someone who is suffering from the, some of the symptoms we listed, um, I encourage you to... Uh, Speak to your practitioner or feel free to give us a call and we'll be glad to guide you. Mm-hmm. So, Sandra, let me ask you a question about feminine and masculine energy in relationships. Uh, can you please tell us more? Yeah, I spent, I spent um, last year pretty much researching with women about how they experience masculine and feminine energy, which... It, it, the way I refer to it, and this is from Alison Armstrong's work, because I was, um, was on a mastery program with her, of hunting gathering. Because yeah. masculine and feminine can sound very 
like there's a lot of baggage that comes with both of those words. Yeah. Sanjay, if you allow me, I just want to tell our listeners about Alison Armstrong. She is such an inspirational leader and uh, what a powerful lady and how much good she's bringing to this world with her work. She, she is amazing. I am so blessed to have been with her last year. And then again, this year and through next year, I, uh, Every time she opens her mouth, I, you know, I'm, I get to actually have, I was on a phone call with her with just two people last night and we were getting to pick her brains about so many different topics relating to healing. And yes. that is one of the things that comes up in relationships, but she's really well known for her work in looking at these hunting and gathering modes. And it's important to recognize. So I, as I said, I spent a year researching women. And then after that, I started interviewing men mm-hmm. on their experience of, a, of hunting and gathering modes. And it's funny because we all have this. You know, men generally will say that they're in this hunting mode most of the time, <laughs> right? Yes. Um, most men say they're in hunting mode most of the time, you know, 80%, 90% of the time. Women will flip back and forth. Although, here in New York, which is where I've interviewed a lot more women, it seems like more women are in hunting mode most of the time. And that's one of the things that can be very difficult in relationships because um, you kind of need both energies in a relationship to, to have it complement each other. So it's like you have two people that are hunting. Hunting is about focus. It's about getting the job done. It's about, you know, killing the deer, you know, hunting, hunting, hunt the deer. Um, whereas that, that gathering mode is like open to possibilities and, oh, look, there's a berry and there's a butterfly and they're two different energies. If you have two people, and this, this applies to men, women, two women, two men, it's, it can get more difficult when both people are always in hunting mode. You know, then there's competition, then there's focus, then there's, it should be my way. Mm-hmm. You can also run into trouble. I've seen some relationships where they're both in gathering mode all the time. <laughs> and nothing actually ever gets done. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so there's a balance. There's a balance. And, and, it's, and it's interesting because for women, what I find is because when we can recognize something in ourselves, it becomes a lot easier to look at what's going on in another person. And I know one of the things that would happen with me a lot, and, and by the way, I'm a, I'm a recovering full-time hunter. <laughs> I mean, I was in hunting. When I, especially when I was running companies, it would be like, you know, I, the, the frequent comment was, you know, you have more balls than all of us men put together. Like, I could hunt. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I had to <laughs> really learn this beautiful feminine expression. But what can happen is, is, is if you're in that mode all the time with somebody else who's naturally a hunter, you start competing. And there's a way to, and there's this beautiful dance that can occur when one person is in hunting mode and is the person who is, you know, looking out for where things are, are headed, you know, have the focus, get the stuff done. And the other is providing the, the, the joy and the, the appreciation. There, there's this one um, uh, Indian mystic that I love, Sadhguru, and he had the most beautiful quote. He said, take bodies away. This has nothing to do with bodies, but 
It's about this energy of masculine and feminine. And he said, the masculine is responsible for life. But the feminine is what makes life worth living. Wow. Isn't that beautiful? It's totally beautiful. And it applies within oneself too, because, you know, even if, you know, you're alone on an island and the time that you're worried about survival and, and building and creating and, you know, getting things done, taking that moment or two or three to look around and appreciate the flowers, to appreciate what's possible, to, to dream silly dreams, to giggle, right? Yes. That's so fun. And that's why relationships that have a nice balance between the masculine and the feminine get things done and they have fun doing it. Yes. So how do you, what's your advice to someone who's in a relationship and after listening to you right now, they realize that they are spending a little more time on the other side as far as their energy, right? And there's yeah. nothing wrong. As you mentioned, it's, it could be two men, two women, uh, could be uh, a man and a woman. We're talking about energies in a relationship. So yeah. if someone is spending a little too much energy in, in, in a place where they don't want to be mm -hmm. uh, and they have awareness now after this conversation, what's your advice to them? Well, without, without doing actual exercises, because it's more fun and more impactful to actually do exercises that allow you to experience the different energies. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, just to, to give a shorthand, the first thing is noticing it. The first thing is noticing that there are these two energies, that there's this, you know, I'm focused, I'm going to get shit done. Um, when I interview women about what they call it, some women call it um, feminine, masculine, hunting, gathering, um, work mode versus friend mode. Another woman called it, though, that I interviewed, I loved it. She calls it, it's my get shit done mode. <laughs> <laughs> You're in, in that mode all the time. Recognize it. Yes. Recognize it. It's awesome. It's, it's, there's nothing wrong with that energy of focus and getting things done and doing it at all costs and, and screening out everything else and everyone else because it's, it's just a certain type of energy. So when you recognize it, is the first step. The second is if you're trying to switch from a hunting mode to a gathering mode, <sighs> the ways that people describe how they're able to shift, one is by being more aware of your body. Mm -hmm. The feminine energy or the gathering energy lives more in your body. You know, like feeling the sensations, listening to music, um, you know, dancing, um, lighting candles or incense brings you more into your body and into your senses. Because think about it, when you're in hunting mode, other than those senses that are focused on looking at what you're trying to accomplish, you're not really aware of other things, mm -hmm. which is actually kind of good. I mean, think about it. You don't want your hunters out there going, oh, my, you know, I got a, I, I got a hangnail and it's hurting me. You know, you just don't want that. So it's, it's, it's that energy and it perfectly makes sense in that energy. So if you want to switch, think about going into this, you know, it's the experience of things. It's being open to experience and curious. So one is looking at your body. The other is being aware and looking around your environment without focusing on anything. And it's also, there's a sense of time. A lot of times in today's world, because we have so much tied up in every minute, you know, like even on this show, you know, I had to be here at a certain time so that 
put me a little bit into this hunting mode of, you know, I don't have time for anything else. I'm going to like go right here and go right here. Um, so getting rid of time constraints is a big way to be in gathering mode, like just blocking off time with no purpose will naturally put a woman for sure. And very often men into more gathering mode. Um, and then conversely, if you're going to switch, if you want to switch from a gathering mode into a hunting mode, mm-hmm. kind of the opposite. You, one is you want to have a target. You want to have a goal. You want to have something that means something to you. And you want to have a deadline. If for women who are in gathering mode and want to be more in hunting mode, and same thing with men who are in gathering mode and want to experience more hunting, it's to get that target, get that goal, and then put a deadline on it. And that just brings it, because it's all about hormones. We were talking earlier about how um, uh, mercury can screw up your hormones. Yes. There's different hormones that support different modes. Testosterone supports hunting mode. Men have 10 to 30 times more testosterone than women do. And that's why for us being in hunting mode too long, we can get burned out after a while if we don't take a break and experience our bodies and experience space and experience time. Um, And boy, I probably went way, that's another subject I'm passionate about. But what's Um, beautiful about this, Sandra, if you are in your natural state, whatever it is for your natural energy state that is feminine or masculine, you're you're going to feel so much better about life and you're going to enjoy things so much more, whatever that state is. And if you enjoy things, you release positive hormones or endorphins into your body. And guess what happens to your health? It improves. It's the two are super, super interconnected. So let me ask you a question. You spent time in India and you Uh are a meditation expert. Yeah. Uh, And you and I know that there are so many people out there who are suffering for various reasons. It could be financial reason. It could be a relationship issue. It could be health issue. How do you minimize suffering uh, using meditation or other ways? Yeah, oh, there, you know, that's one of the things. I'm, the thing I'm studying right now is about healing. Mm-hmm. I spent the last couple months talking about what prevents us from healing from old wounds and if healing from an emotional perspective, although some people use this exact same method looking physically, but I, I focus on emotional and I focus on relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, gosh, I just totally, um, oh, <laughs> I kind of got lost in where I was. Um, one of the things is you really have to have first the idea that you want it and that it's possible. And then all these ways open up. It's like having the will in the way Mm-hmm. It's not the will and the way. It's if you have the will, all the ways open up to you. There's so many ways to get to the same place. It's just like I was in um, um, one of the slides that I sometimes use is uh, we went to um, Switzerland to mm-hmm. Zermatt for our honeymoon and okay. they had the Matterhorn. So I've got this picture of the Matterhorn and it hadn't been climbed till towards the end when like, the, when mankind was conquering the mountains. Mm-hmm. But once the first team made the top, within two days, somebody else was climbing to the top. But they also approached from a different angle. And now when you look at the maps of all the different ways that people have scaled um, the Matterhorn, there, there's, there's so many different ways. So meditation is just one way. Okay. It's, it's simply one way. And, it, and it's great. Uh, it's a great tool. The way... The type of meditations that I do, though, are not 
they're not just observation of breath. I mean, a lot of meditation is either observation of breath or body scanning, which I think is awesome and you know, does a lot. And a lot of my friends use meditations to help them fall asleep, you know, because they're mm -hmm. stressed out and they'll meditate before they sleep. The types of meditations that I do, and I'm um, uh, what's called a transformer with a group called Ono Academy in India. But the way I describe it is these meditations aren't designed to put you to sleep. <laughs> They're designed to wake you up. And underneath every meditation as it relates to relationships, most of them, I may not say all of them, most of them, have at the basis, what are you looking at in your own mind where you're being obsessive in your self-centric thinking? Which means me, 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 my, my, my. And when I first heard this as a wisdom, you know, they don't come right out and say it, that all suffering is a result of obsessive self-centric thinking and that you can live in a beautiful state or a suffering state. And I kind of, you know, I thought about it. I'm, I'm not one to just generally believe anything I hear. So I tested it and I looked at it. And it's true. I mean, you can really look at any time that you're, you have this continual suffering. You know, and I'll, I'll tell you something else when we're done with this. But it's, that, it's the suffering that goes on. You know, there's pain and there's suffering. To me, pain is what happens in the moment and suffering is what we're holding on to. Yes, so the suffering is always going to have at its root this obsession with oneself. And you can spot it by the pronouns you use. Well, this is so powerful, Sanjay. I just want to repeat it so people really catch it. Suffering is all about obsessing about yourself. And yeah. it doesn't matter what type of suffering it is. It could be suffering about financial issues, right? It could be suffering mm -hmm. about health issues. It could be suffering about your relationship issues, whatever it is. All types of suffering which you're yeah. telling us is self-centered. Yeah, and it's hard to really look at unless you bring the awareness to your thoughts. You can slow down your thoughts enough to really examine them without judging them because our thoughts are there, they're awesome. Thoughts, thoughts are there, they, you know, all these thoughts got us to where we are. But to be able to examine them and go, oh, wow, I'm upset that, I mean, let's pick some random example. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my husband was late coming home and I had a, you know, dinner planned. Or let's say I'm, let me do it from the other side. I'm upset that my wife is coming home late because I had dinner planned. This is like, <laughs> right? It doesn't matter. The, whether Thank you for it, pointing it in my direction. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. Yeah, it's like the men, actually more men I know are the great cooks nowadays. So let me <laughs> do it that way. Um, so, so your wife is late coming home. And you cook this amazing meal and you're pissed. But if you start to examine your thoughts, it's going to be things like, I put in all this work to make this dinner. You know, how could she not respect me and my time? Doesn't she care all the time I am putting into this relationship? It's constant. It's constant. If someone does not respect me enough or someone doesn't love me enough or doesn't acknowledge me enough. This is so, so good. Oh, I wish we could spend a whole hour just on that because it's, 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 it's worthy of that time. I just want to tell our listeners, if you want to call in and ask Sandra a question, our, the number you would call in is 866-472-5792. Give us a call and we'll be glad to 
to answer any questions that you may have. This is so good, Sandra. I have one burning question to ask you because I know a lot of my friends um, are in a looking mode for relationships, right? Do you yeah. think it's harder in today's age to find yourself a healthy relationship in a very technologically advanced world? Using the apps, uh, meeting people on the internet, is it harder today than it used to be 20, 30 years ago? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because I get I'm blessed because I'm constantly researching and, and interviewing and talking to people and asking questions and in general I'm curious that I was asking a young woman this the other day that, you know, hey, you know, what how do you experience, you know, having dates on, you know, meeting people online? Because like 30% of marriages now are from having dated online. Oh, wow. I might be off on that number, so don't quote me. Somebody can Google it and tell me if I'm lying or not. <laughs> but I was talking to this, this young woman. And she's like, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm saying my age when somebody who's in her late 30s, I call a young woman. Anyway, I was, saying, I was asking her about, about dating, and she said, oh, my God, I don't like to go out with somebody I just met in a bar. I don't know what their values are. I don't know you know, what their history is. I haven't been able to, you know, look at their Facebook and, and see what, you know, other types of relationships they've had. And I thought that was like so shocking because for me, it would have been the exact opposite. Like, oh, you meet somebody online and you don't know anything about it. But because it's now become more the norm, mm -hmm. it could I can see that perspective. It's more scary to go out with a stranger than somebody that you at least have had interaction with, you at least have their social media profile, you've checked them out before you go out on a date. It, it actually reminds me of when Ubers were first becoming popular. Yes. A friend of mine was telling me that his wife only likes to take taxis and doesn't want to take Ubers because she doesn't feel safe. And, I, you know, I... I was, again, at different age brackets, maybe. I said, how can that be? I, like, I feel so much safer in an Uber because there's an app. I know who I'm with. The people, you know, if anything, God forbid, happens to me, there's a record of where I've been exactly. I can mm -hmm. send. So it's, you know, it's are you embracing the technology or not? So I don't, I, I have some other thoughts about, um, about what technology is doing to us. So it may be but, easier, actually, based on what you're saying, right? Yeah, yeah, it can be. Now, technology, my, my view is that technology in itself is because of the speed and how fast, oh, and how fast technology is changing, mm -hmm. that society, you know, the rules of society can't necessarily keep up. Yeah. And definitely our DNA isn't changing at the same rate as technology is. So to me, it just means we have to be more mindful more in the present, more looking at the actual environment and how we're reacting to it and not react from a, I should, or this is what my parents taught me, or this is what I read, or even yeah. this is what, you know, what I read a month ago, but being very present, mm -hmm. which works out anyway, because every person is completely different and every moment is completely new, but it just becomes even a more requirement to have that mindfulness, that awareness that meditation can bring. Absolutely. Uh, we have a caller on the line, and do we have a, uh, an opportunity for a quick conversation here? Lisa, welcome to the call. Welcome to the radio program. Lisa, are you there? Mm -hmm. Okay, we may have lost Lisa, but let's continue our chat. 
So, Sandra, how do you recover from wounds in a relationship? Yeah. The first thing. Oh, do you want to? We actually are getting a message here. Lisa is back. Lisa, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Hi. Hello, Dr. Emil. Hello, Sandra. Uh, it's been very interesting to hear all of those advices, and I think that they're very important uh, for all the marriages and have a little bit more of understanding on how our relationships can also um, impact our health if it's not something positive. I do have a question, which it really called my attention, and I think Dr. Emil brought it. Uh, one of the things that are very common uh, in marriages are finances, mm-hmm. right? And it, Many of us really don't don't dare or really do not pay importance to this and ask questions on how we can resolve it. But I do want to I do want to ask a question about it, um, Sandra. What I do want to ask you is the following, and this is the situation: Me and my husband we're having a baby. Uh, this is our second one, and definitely we're we're both very happy. For my husband, this is the first time that he's going to have a baby, so he's mm-hmm. his first newborn, and he's overly excited. So eager to meet him. And uh, one of the things is that I consider myself very practical. But from his end, he's a little bit spontaneous and everything that he sees, he wants to buy it. And definitely that, that's something that, um, let's say, impacts our relationship. Mm-hmm. So based on your experience, what would you suggest for us to do in order to have a better communication on how to deal with this without affecting our finances so much and going too crazy with the things that we need to purchase for the baby's arrival. It's mm. a very common question that I hear from couples, right? Lisa, thank you for the call. Sandra, if you could give us a turbo answer on this one as our show is coming to a close, I want to address Lisa's uh, question. Okay, great. Let me... Let me say, first of all, congratulations. And secondly, you are at two of the, the intersection of two of the most instinctually charged areas of our lives. One is survival, which today in today's society is money, right? Money equals survival and procreation, which is kind of what our bodies are designed to do. So first of all, recognize that there is going to be tension and it's completely normal. Like there is nothing wrong with you guys. There's nothing wrong with your relationship. There's nothing wrong with you for wanting to make sure you're safe. There's nothing wrong for him for wanting to provide. You guys are both totally awesome. And instinctually, though, you're going to be driven to do this. Sandra, thank you so much. I we, we are having so much fun, but unfortunately, we have to wrap up the show. And if you want to reach Sandra, please reach out to her through her website, website unlimited.love. Ladies and gentlemen, this makes it a show. Sandra, thank you so much for being so gracious and kind and informational, giving us life-changing information. If you want to live a happier, fuller, healthier, and more fulfilled life, you need to be the CEO of your health. You need to be guided by an amazing practitioner, but it's your life. You lead it. Thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. Until next time, be healthy and happy. Thank you for tuning in to Prescription for Success. Be sure to join your host, Dr. Emil Haldi, next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for another edition of the program. Have a great and healthy week.
Thank you.